0: Um, I, so I wanted to give everyone a heads up. If you've never seen me speak, um, I'm a pacer. So people are like, "Oh, he must be nervous." I was like, "No, you just see me at the office on the phone." Um, no, like I just am a pacer. Uh, I'm maybe I am nervous, just as like a human, but I'm not nervous to be talking to you. So I'm excited to be talking to you today, though. Um, so. First, I wanted to say just to the church, before we get started, just a thank you for our family. We had kind of a pretty tough month in terms of um, my wife's um, mom kind of unexpectedly passing away. You guys are super supportive and just super grateful for being a part of a church. I don't really know how people who aren't in churches really do it. So thank you guys. Yeah. Giving yourself a hand, and and honestly, if you're like new here, you're not fully plugged in, maybe you don't have a lot of relationships, I'll tell you, this is a church. If you get plugged in, people will love you and care about you and serve you, and I've seen that firsthand over and over again, and now experienced it in my own life, so I'm grateful. So, um, without further ado, I'd like to talk to you guys about a subject that is maybe not um, the thing we talk about at church the most, because what we talk about at church a lot is... You know, believing. You know, acting on your beliefs. Um, these are all very good topics. Um, Exceptionally important. You know, how I many guys have heard something around religious circles like, "You gotta believe," or, "You know, oh, he's a man of faith. He's a man of faith." Or, you know, he's just somebody's like, "Hey, here's this really serious thing in my life that I don't want to do," and they're like, "Oh shoot, I don't know what to say to this person." Oh well, you know, um, just gotta trust God. the person's like, well, I can't say no to that, so, and then both of you walk away unsatisfied. Um, you know, like, we just say this stuff, it just rolls off the tongue, right, in church circles. These, they're kind of like, um, growing up, we would call these Christianese, um, which is just like language that Christians use that almost no one else uses. Um, but there's a good reason for it, because the Bible is really obviously clear that faith Belief, trust, they're essential to your Christian life, right? And, and, and we know this because it's, you know, we literally, instead of just saying, Are oh, you a Christian? we say, Oh, well, you know, are you a person of faith, right? Um, we literally just use that phrase to just describe just being a person who practices a religion at all. So it also is important in the Bible. Right when you actually open up God's Word, you're not just going to see one of those things because there are things that we do in church, believe it or not, that are really important to us, but not super important to the Bible. <laughs> and you go to the Bible, you're like, "And the drummer must have a certain mic on their sound." It's like, "No, we don't." That's kind of us. We love we love the modern worship. I do think worship is scriptural and music, but how we play it, it's not really in the Bible as long as as long as you're worshiping. But this is not one of those things. Faith, belief, trust—you know—we see word. You know, I look, I look the classic word count thing where you go to the Bible. How many times did they mention it? And you see, believe and faith listed. You know, 160 times, 270 times. Um, this is just a big topic in God's Word, and so it's no wonder I think that people feel like a sense of shame when they don't feel like they trust God, like they, when they feel uncertainty, when they lack, what we would say, when they lack faith. People have a sense, I think, in the church world that it's not something that you share with other people. You don't go and say like, hey, I'm having doubts. You know, I'm having doubts. I'm having, I'm having, I'm afraid of this. I feel uncertainty. I read this Bible verse the other day and I'm just like, I don't know if I can buy it. Right? We don't really talk about that very much as Christians. When you're going through something tough and the first thing you think is, What the heck is God doing? Why did He do this to me? That isn't, that's like not a great thought. But every, I do feel everyone has felt it, everyone has thought it. You know, the interesting thing is when the Bible talks about faith, it's not blind faith. They're not asking blind faith. You know, anyone who's walked with God knows that faith, it's, just, it's not just hype. Like, there's, there's legit stuff behind it. Faith and trust in God, it's kind of what it's all about, right? It, like, if you have faith and you have trust in God, um, you know, you're a good Christian. And I think that's another reason why maybe when we deal with this subject of doubt, um, it doesn't really kind of roll off the tongue. It doesn't feel like it's congruous with a person of of faith. You know, faith and trust in God are the basis for your religion and for your relationship with God. But the question is, is there any room for doubt? And where does that play into our lives? And and and, sh- and how should we feel about that? Sadly, for many Christians, there's a feeling of failure, um, which I think is really strange, by the way, because it's actually a unifying experience that we all have. Like every person in this room has had some kind of experience with faith and with God that has caused them to question. The cause. And it's not just like I question whether God exists, it could just be like I don't understand this. But this lack of certainty about our relationship with God is actually a common experience. I'd love to do this um, for anyone who's bold. By raising of hands, how many of you have ever kind of experienced some kind of fear, doubt, or uncertainty when it comes with your walk with God? Probably more of you have experienced that than have led someone to the Lord, like had a consistent daily quiet time, read through the whole Bible, right? We're actually more bound together by the fact that we have doubts and, and uncertainties than actually the fact that we practice our religion the same way. By the way, you should do those things. You should read the Bible. You should have a deal. Like, those, those are good things. But they don't really, we wonder why it's like, hey, we're going to do this prayer event and everyone's going to come. If we did a doubting event, we'd probably have the place full. <laughs> if we are just like, hey, everyone's come and we're all going to just talk about the things that we're afraid of for that's called Facebook. <laughs> so. um, but it's interesting because Facebook really is literally just the place where people go to talk about what they're afraid of. And I think it's really sad because the church should be where we go to talk about our uncertainties and our fears and, and the things that we're afraid of. But for some reason, we don't. Um, and I do believe a lot of it comes down to we don't want to be it's so easy to walk into a church and think, like, I'm the only one in here who feels this way. I'm the only one in here who doesn't understand that scripture. I'm the only one in here who has these doubts. When the truth is, you're not. (laughs) You're not. And that's a lie that the devil uses. You know, we use a phrase a lot, um, beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's just a, a common phrase. And honestly, I never really thought about the phrase. I would just use it. And then, you know, I started, like, kind of looking into where it came from and all this stuff and, like, kind of, like, basically the shadow of a doubt is, like, literally the smallest trace of doubt that you could possibly have. What What is causing less impact than something's shadow, right? And when I thought about, like, this kind of certainty that is kind of revered t- nowadays, it's like... How many times have you met people who are 100% certain about everything they think? It's one of the worst qualities. Like, no one looks at that person and is like, that's great. Like, I love being around this person. They're so inflexible. They know everything. Like, we, we call them know-it-alls, by the way. And we don't go like, what a, hey, I, I just met John the other day. You know, he's such, such a great know-it-all. Like, he just knows everything, and it's just so great. <laughs> you know, I think this kind of ironclad certainty is what many of us think we're supposed to have. No shadow of doubt. Um, like we're, like, kind of convicting ourselves of a crime or something, <laughs> you know. And we think this is what it means to be a good Christian you know, a good Christian. We love God so much that we don't even doubt him. I would never doubt God because I one time read this verse and it just cleared it all up for me. And now I'm good, right? So we think it's a test, kind of, like, like doubt and faith is a test to be passed. And every single week, you know, the pastor's going to present this idea and like you're more interested in going like, see, that's also what I think. That's me too. I totally relate with everything he said. Yep, did you like that too, honey? Yes, we are also both that way. And we love faith. And it's ultimately like a lot of times things that in our spiritual life, if you're not being challenged by sermons and and by the people in your life that are Christians, if people aren't pushing you, if you're never like questioning and being pushed harder and farther than you're comfortable. We sang that song, You've Called Me Higher, right? It's about not being in your safe place. It's about stepping out, right? That's ultimately what the journey is. And I always say, like, faith is a pathway. It's not a test. It's not a test for you to pass. You don't need to pass the test of being a person of faith. It's a pathway to God. It's not a test you pass in order to get God. So for some of you guys in here, you're thinking, like, I don't want to fail the test. Like, if God knows. It's like, God knows. God knows what's going on in your head and in your heart. He doesn't need you to lie about it, too. <laughs> you know, especially when the faith is actually the way you get out. It's not the thing you failed to do. It's the thing that God says, this is how you get out of doubt. This is what I give you, faith. So what if the goal wasn't to get rid of doubt, though, but to face them? What if we had a God big enough to handle our uncertainties? What if, what if you knew that you were a part of a community that embraced you in your doubts, that was there to help you, to grow through them? You know, so today's sermon is all about accepting doubt as a pathway to faith. It's about viewing it um, as an opportunity and not a failure. And so, I want to start by defining doubt a little bit because I think it's been stigmatized um, as some terrible, terrible thing. And ultimately, it's really just a super normal thing. You know, so let's destigmatize let's de- this idea of doubt a little bit. Doubt is not antithetical to faith. Like, it's not like you either have doubt or you have faith. So, in fact, faith isn't even the antidote to doubt. Like, you don't, so, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later, but doubt is simply a lack of certainty. That's really, lit- like, literally, the word doubt just means to feel uncertain about. Like, well, a lot of times, we're like, oh, I have doubts, and like, quite literally, we're thinking in our head, like, I am rebelling against God. I'm questioning his authority. You know, I don't believe scripture. It's like, When you've experienced this uncertainty, probably a lot of you guys are going, actually, I do have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot in the Bible, which I know the Bible pretty well, that I am like, I mean, if you ask me, or like, what does this mean? I'll be the first to tell you, like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. (laughs) I think I I can, this is my interpretation, but I don't know for sure. Um, Who really, I mean, you should be scared of someone who says that they have no doubts. We call those people autocrats. We, we, don't, we don't have great things to say about people who think that, pretend like they have no doubts, that they're certain about everything. And so I want you guys to just hear that because I want you to think through, what is my actual goal in faith when it comes to dealing with Scripture, the church, spiritual authority in my life, these are challenging subjects they have complicated relationships with. Some of you have had very tough relationships with church and religion and organized religion. Some of you, you struggle with the scriptures. Some of you, the just concepts of, you know, kind of abstract, right? This idea of prayer. My child is four and she's always like, yeah, I just, God's invisible though. She's like, I just, I don't know if I can get through that yet. <laughs> you know? It's just normal, man. We come out of the womb doubting and wanting to prove it, show me, let me experience it. In reality, I feel certain about most everything, or uncertain about most everything in my life. There's very few things that I'm hundred percent certain on. Um, that's probably a lot of you guys, you know. And one of the worst qualities, like I said before, is like a person who says that they're know-it-all. They just have it all figured out. We we would call Admitting that you have uncertainty, we, we used to call it humility. It's a good quality. But now, everybody's flexing. Everybody has to show how much they know. You know, I found this research on this one thing, and I'm going to show you. Have you read the research, though? I'm going to show you this research. They put it on a website, so. It's ironclad. <laughs> so, you know. Nobody knows it all, and everybody has a belief system inside their brain that's got some broken parts. We all have small parts of the picture, really, and so we need each other, you know? We used to, like I said, we used to call that um, humility, and we thought it was a good thing when people said, I don't know everything. I don't know it all. I don't have it all figured out, and so doubt is really, it shouldn't be this pejorative phrase that we use. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, doubt is a feature, not a bug. It's it's something that we as humans have, that um, helps us to analyze and internalize things and create real belief, because the, the quickly held beliefs are not deeply held beliefs. Anything I can just implant in your brain in five seconds, I can change your mind on that, because you know it wasn't that important. If I told you like this is the best Mexican restaurant in town, you'd be like, well, okay. <laughs> Like you could probably be convinced like five different Mexican restaurants are the best Mexican re- Mexican restaurant in town over a five-year period. It wouldn't be life-changing and life-shifting. It's not an important belief. It's eat, easily implanted. But if I start messing with your deeply held beliefs, the things that are essential to who you are, those things take time. They take time. They should take time because they're important. And so doubt is something that helps you really, really, really consider the things that you're believing and a lot of us you know one of the worst things people can do is flippantly move into a relationship with jesus jesus didn't ask people to do that jesus would be like hey if you want to follow me you're gonna to have to die he wasn't like oh yeah just do it it'll be great all your problems will go away it'll be awesome we just push people into faith so quick now And by the way god will accept you wherever you are but are you ready to accept god <laughs> That's the question. Are you ready? Not is God ready. God's like, I've been there, done that. I'm waiting for you. So doubt helps people get real beliefs. And uncertainty is just a natural response to anything that's bigger than us. You know, common doubts people might have. And some of you might resonate with some of this. Um, you know, whether it's like, I doubt God exists. By the way, some people in this room probably still think this. Don't be ashamed. It's just, I know it's probably true. You know, I doubt the Bible is true, or I doubt all the Bible is true, or just I, I don't understand the Bible. I doubt that God is truly good because this happened or that happened, this, this setback in my life, or I see what's happening in Ukraine. How could a good God allow that to happen? I doubt God loves me because I've done X, Y, Z, because of the type of person I am because I see the way my life has been, how could God love me? I doubt I can trust God with my life. If I actually was to give him my life, I don't know, I don't trust that he would do what I would want. I don't trust that I would be happy. I'm afraid to give him my life. These are common, common things, and, and, and you can have them in various grades. Some of you guys you may be not full on in terms of like I don't trust god but man that sermon last week about tithing kind of struck a nerve for you that's okay that's okay and i want to want to get rid of that stigma you know some of us some of these are the real result of things not going as we'd hoped some of these doubts we have just man life can be tough and and when it's tough it's easy to doubt and still some doubt is caused by just not knowing, right? How many of you guys are like, I like to know? Anybody here like kind of control freaks Four people? Okay. So some of you are such control freaks that you wouldn't even raise your hand because you didn't want me to know that you, I knew. So, um, you know, some doubt is caused by our circumstances and some date. That is dictating our circumstances, right? Some some of the doubt we have is actually determining where we are. It's it's putting us in the position that we are. You know, it's an ever-present part of our lives, and it can keep us from moving forward with God. It can keep us stuck. Um, maybe there's a leadership position in a spiritual kind of component of your life that God was calling you towards that you're unwilling to do. Maybe there's someone in your life that God's calling you to reconcile with. Who knows? doubt can keep you stuck and i do i did want to say i'm not glorifying doubt i'm not saying like oh the fact that we all have it means it's cool and great and this awesome amazing thing but god uses it and it's normal that's all i'm saying you know and usually it's kind of a lie usually it's there's a misunderstanding and the more we push the more we talk the more we explore and face our doubt, the more likely we are to experience a breakthrough and to move forward in our lives. And I want to show you guys a clip because some of you guys, I think, in terms of your doubts, you might relate with this girl. This is her first jump, by the way. This. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump, you got it. whoa, my ski's slipping off. Just remember, never snow plow, okay? No snow plows. Just keep it straight and you will be fine. Okay. The can do on the 20. Straight. Do you go faster on the in run? A little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Is it any steeper, do you think? Not same, much? Same steepness, it's just longer. Well, just longer. Just longer, just a bigger 20, that's all. Yep. That's fun. a bigger 20. Go ahead. You got I got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute, right? You know, but it's also, I think a lot of people are in that moment of fear and doubt. Right on the edge. You know, I think it illustrates that. You know, we, we can be on the edge of something pretty amazing, actually. And, um, and yet, everything in us tells us no. And I think that's what doubt can be in our lives. It, it, for, so, for those of you that are like, experiencing it and are at least cognizant of that experience, you're like aware, hey, I'm experiencing this doubt in my life. You might even know that it's the thing keeping you from doing something that you really actually want to do, that you know God is asking you to do, that you know God will reward. And yet that feeling of like, I can't quite go. We've all been there. We've all experienced it. You know, this girl knew that she had friends and family supporting her. She probably knew it wasn't actually a huge deal. That it wasn't, She pr- could probably logically say, like, I'm probably not going to die. I'm probably going to be okay. I'm probably a good enough skier, right? They wouldn't be putting her up there if she couldn't ski. Yet, still, she froze. Everything in your life might be saying, if you trust God, it'll be okay. You know, you have a history with him. You know that there are people in your life that are supporting you. You know that if you take that step towards faith, whether it be like we talked about last week with giving or maybe some of you guys are just, you know, I always think about forgiveness, right? That, that's the thing in my head is like, we need more forgiveness, right? You we know, need reconciliation, we need more love. And, and it's one of the hardest things to do. It's one of the hardest things to do. And some of you are on the edge and you know it. If you were to go talk to that person, it would set you free. And we're just, we're frozen. We're frozen. You know, the Bible has a story about a guy like this. I knew Jesus. Um, Some of you have heard of him. His name was Thomas. Um, You know, we know him as Doubting Thomas. Can you imagine if you were like in the Bible, one of the disciples, and your name was Doubting Thomas? like not martyred thomas or like faithful thomas, obedient thomas, missionary thomas, no doubting thomas because he didn't doubt someone magically came back to life. Like a very sane thing. Then this so we've had this this is how like biased we are as Christians against doubt. That we like we're reading this story and we're like look at this idiot. This idiot, he doesn't believe Jesus came back from the dead. Come on. It's like half of us don't believe Jesus came back from the dead. Look at our lives. Like, trust me, this guy was pretty cool dude, but yet we look at the story and we're like, doubt. He's doubting Thomas. He's the one guy who didn't get it. It says here in John, one of the 12 disciples, um, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hands into the wound on his side. So, it's actually not that crazy of a thing. He wasn't there. So, keep in mind, like a lot of us are like doubting Thomas. He didn't believe, he wasn't there. All the other ones were, and he's literally just saying, like what if I was like, You know, hey, Chris, um, your grandma who passed away, I saw her the other day. You'd be like, no, you didn't. (laughs) Like, I don't believe you. Like, it's not a crazy thing that he said. So, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The uh, uh, The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. How freaky. Peace be with you, he said. Like, he had to say, Peace be with you, because he's just boing, trans- like appearing. Um, then he said to Thomas, I would like to point out, by the way, like, it's the absurdity of scripture, so we can actually fully appreciate, like, the level of faith we do have. Like, if you're here at all and you're, like, willing to accept this story, <laughs> you have a lot of faith. That's pretty awesome. So anyway, Jesus appears before them, and he he says, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hands into my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you see me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. By the way, he's talking about you, you know. Jesus is so Thomas, like many of us, um, it wasn't enough for him to just hear about Jesus from others. Um, it took an experience with Jesus to expire, inspire the faith in him and move him past doubt. You know, the interesting thing about the story to me is how the experience with Jesus changed Thomas's viewpoint, but how Thomas is betrayed. It's it, like more so than that, like how we've just stigmatized and made it such a negative thing when it's really something that many of us would experience. And when you talk about it, you're like, well, it wasn't really that crazy of Thomas to be filled with doubt. You know, it's kind of as if, like, you were reading the story, and the next part of the story is just saying, like, Jesus saying to Thomas, like, because you doubted me, I'm going to be throwing you out of my club. You know, get out of here, Thomas. Now we're down to 11. You know, be gone, weakling. Person with no beliefs. He didn't do that. So read the story as kind of like, I think modern people read it as like a cautionary tale. Like, you don't want to be a doubting Thomas. It's like, you'd be so lucky to be a doubting Thomas. Most of us could never bear the name Thomas with our own faith walk. Um, We think doubt disqualified Thomas. So we think doubt disqualifies us. You know, so the question is, does doubt disqualify me? There's such an easy trap to fall into. And, you know, if I, if I doubt, I can feel like God doesn't love me, He won't use me. Uh, if I have uncertainty about anything in my faith walk, I want to show you guys something. You're in good company. Um, so, is this, is this legible? Let's see. Yeah, this is just looking in the Bible. People in, have experienced instances of doubt. You know, some of the notable people we have Moses, Gideon, Elijah, Jeremiah. Are any of you guys kind of walking in that arena of faith, those folks? These are people who experienced very serious, acute doubt. Um, They obeyed, but they experienced doubt and fear. They had opportunities, and sometimes they paid prices, by the way, for these doubts, but they had opportunities to follow God, and a lot of them questioned. When you read the Bible, you see it's filled with flawed people, um. You know, it's not really about a lot of these stories. Um, when you see like the story of Doubting Thomas, it's not really about a doubter. It's his journey to faith. You know. So what happened to Doubting Thomas? Because I, I think many of you, many like church history is not like universally taught. You know, maybe some places, but not everybody knows about church history. And so, I want to kind of give you a little backstory. So, many think of a doubter like Thomas, I think, couldn't do anything for Jesus. And so, we use it to kind of say, well, I can't. I'm not, like, I'm still working. I'm still growing. I'm not ready. You know, I still have doubts. I still have uncertainties. I don't know the Bible that well. I don't, it's like, let's look at Thomas. Thomas went on to be one of the first evangelists to India. Um, he sailed south, Malabar, on the west coast of India, 52 A.D., and he preached the gospel. He established many churches. Um, he did ministry to the high-caste Brahmins in India. Um, and eventually, um, the, actually to the point where when the, when the Portuguese landed in India in the 1600s, they found churches with Thomas' name on it. And finally, um, he traveled to the east coast of India, and he was preaching relentlessly in 72 AD. So this is 20 years of missionary work. And he was um, thrown into a pit and killed with a spear. So this is not a man who should be characterized as a doubter, right? This is a true believer. This is a, a man of action. This is a hero of the faith. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is the readers would have known this. Anyone reading that story would have read it totally different than we do. They would have said, Thomas had doubts, and he's like a crazy missionary. What about me? What can I do with my doubts? They wouldn't have read it the way we did. They would have been like, I know that guy, and he's a hero. And if he has these doubts, and he has frustrations and uncertainties, and he's still able to go to India and reach all those people for Jesus, what can I do at my workplace or in my family or at my home? with my doubts, with my uncertainties. You know, he was more than a doubter. He was a man of faith and action. His experience with doubt only served to further solidify his faith. It pushed him forward. So still, many of us, faced with doubt, we feel paralyzed, just like that girl. We're up there on the top, on the edge. You know, and we're saying, how could God use me? You know, despite... God using flawed people, which by the way, it's the only people he uses because all of us are broken. Um, And God wants the glory. So what better way to get the glory than use a bunch of broken people? (laughs) You know? God has created faith as a pathway towards certainty, but it's not a replacement for it. You know? And God's solution for our doubts is kind of like immersion therapy, right? God's solution to doubt is... Experience Him. Experience Him. Push into His presence. Get to know Him more. Test and challenge and see what He will do. You know, don't get me wrong, by the way. Like I said, I'm not glorifying doubt. Even Jesus says, you believe me because you see me. Blessed are those believe without seeing. So faith is, is good. The more you can trust God without having to see every little thing, I think that's awesome. Um, And it's a goal. But most importantly, it's about what you do. And for some of us, our doubts are causing us to miss out on some amazing things that God wants to do in your life and through your life. You're kind of like, well, again, that girl on the ski jump. I go. Yeah. 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 Just a suspense at the top of the first time freaks yeah. you out. That's the only thing. It's so fun. Huh? 60 seems like nothing now. Yeah. I love that 60 seems like nothing now. It's like the thing that you do, some of you have a step of faith that you're about to take. And I want you to think about the first step of faith you took. Those other times where you felt like it was this insurmountable thing and you did it and you're like, oh, I, I can do this. I can get through this. It's only going to serve to build your faith and actually create certainty about who God is and what his plan is for your life. You know, the, out, the antidote to doubt is experiencing God for yourself. It's stepping into fear. It's facing it. It's talking about it. It's dealing, about, dealing with it with the people around you in faith. You know, In many situations, our fears are totally unfounded, just like that girl, Um, and actually if we would keep going, we'd have a pretty good time, and it's just, we just got to talk it out, or maybe force ourselves to do something hard, by the way, that's still good, forcing yourself to do hard things is good, Um, but other times we might be facing something truly hard and truly scary, and our experience may teach us how strong we really are, how big God really is, if we would just step out in faith. You know, Psalm 34, 8, this is like, it was a long journey to get here, but this is where we are today, and this is actually the crux of what I wanted to kind of give you guys, which is taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of take, those who take refuge in him. What does it look like? to experience God's goodness. It's not, um, I think a lot of us go like, oh, God's blessings. Taste and see that God will, I don't know, enrich you or make you healthy. No, that that actually has nothing to do with God's nature. Um, For you, if he heals you, there's someone in the world he's not healing. So what does that mean about God? God. Is he not good if he does not do the things that, you, like, if you define this improperly, God will never be good to you because your life will never be perfect. It will, I mean, most of us, we're, we're kind of trending the wrong direction with our health, with our lives. We're headed towards something else. And so, this gets less and less easy to define as my healing. You know, who knows about finances? Like, I, I get a lot of the financial unrest today, but I'm not going to lie. There are times where I'm like, hey, Christians, kind of not what it's all about, though. Like, if we all lost everything, is God still good? If gas prices are $20 and all of us, is God still good? Or is that, like, crossed that red line and now... We can complain constantly. We should be the least grateful people in society. Because no, we're the ones who know God was supposed to be good and he blew it. No. Taste and see that the Lord is good really is about your experiences with him. When he's talking to you, when he's, when he's communicating to your heart, and you, and you see that he does what he says, that he is who he says, that his character is consistent with God's word. Um, If you don't know God's word, I would encourage you. Become a person of the word. If you struggle with faith, kind of get this in your heart and mind. You will see when the world agrees with God's scripture and it will start building your faith. A lot of us don't have the tools to be faithful because you're relying on everything that happens up here every week instead of what God's doing in here. God wants to have a wellspring inside of you. Not from the internet, from a podcast, from a book. The Holy Spirit. So, taste and see. Experience worship. Tithe. Serve people. Serve ungrateful people. Serve people who just treat you terrible for a while. <laughs> like Try putting God to the test. Love and forgive other people. Give people grace. Taste and see. You will see God's goodness if you put him into the situations where he's actually, like, rarely does God talk to you about all the, this is how to act in plenty. except humbly and give your money away. That's what God actually tells you to do when you have, no, a lot of God's word is about teaching us what to do when stuff isn't always ideal. Doubt is defeated when we experience God's goodness for ourselves, guys. And so, how do we experience more of his goodness? Well, we go the places he, that God is. The Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. Where are brokenhearted people? Can I go be near them? Will I experience? Yes. If you want to experience more of God, go to where God is. God is in his word. God is at church. God is in a small group. God is in the actions that honor him and, and give him glory. Again, I don't know that God is on Facebook. I'm not sure he's been there for a while. Um, some of us might need to stay away from certain news websites, certain places that force us to become obsessed with the world and pull us out of what God is doing in our own lives and what God is talking to us about. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, wherever God is, you need to go and be there. You need to experience it. Because... A lot of us are waiting for the doubt to be resolved before the action, but that girl would have never known anything about that slope until she did it. She didn't go like this, actually it's fine, no I'm good now, the second, she's still, as she's about to go down, and some of you are going to have to just do it scared, you're just going to have to do it scared. He's not going to resolve all your doubts until you experience him, until you taste and see that he's good. He's like, that's how we do it, though. The way we fix it is you go down the slope. We don't fix it by me coming up to you and explaining. That instructor just kept saying, and it was helpful, by the way. Oh, it'll be okay. It won't you, you know. That's great. Maybe you can be that for someone. Help them take the plunge. But ultimately, it's up to them. It's up to you. No one can force you to go and just face your fears and uncertainties except you. No one's going to force you to open the Bible and actually read it. No one's going to force you to go have a tough conversation with another believer about what's going on in your life and about the fears and uncertainties you have. Like some of you are questioning whether or not you even are Christians. You have to go talk to someone about that. (laughs) But no one can force you. But I'm telling you, taste and see is good, and you'll be blessed. You know, so as we close, no matter the nature of your doubt, it's essential to know that none of it is too big for God, and that uncertainty is an opportunity for faith to truly work. But in order for this to happen, we need to be honest. So, do do you have doubts today? If so, you're in good company, like we said. Everyone in here has probably dealt with it. There's a lot of people in God's word, amazing people who did amazing things for God that also dealt with doubts. So don't be ashamed. You didn't fail a test. This is just where you are today. And probably where many of us will find ourselves over and over again throughout our walk with faith. It doesn't go away. But if you're filled with doubt, fear, and uncertainty, join the club. If you feel stuck, you feel ashamed, you feel like you can't move forward, um, there is an answer. It's experiencing God's goodness. The fullness of God's love. It's experiencing community through the church and through mutual vulnerability, talking to other people. Um, It often looks like taking a plunge into something unknown, And, you know, that can be scary. I I understand that. But Jesus has gone before us to make a way. He didn't ask us to do something. He wasn't, you know. I want you to, like, if you're kind of wanting to do a study on this, I want you to go look at the Garden of Gethsemane and look at the person who should have been 100% certain. Why was Jesus afraid? He was. He dealt with what you deal with. His response was probably better than ours. But his feelings, he God is not asking you to do something that he has not already overcome. And he can relate with you in your fears and in your doubts. Imagine if we held up our honest doubts as a beacon for other people. We said, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my fears, this is my doubts, what about yours? Imagine if we did that, imagine if we talked about these things, imagine if we were a church that that was unashamed of its uncertainty. You know, I may not know everything or understand much, but I do know this much, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin he lived a sinless life. He died for my sins. He rose again. And because I know God loved me enough to do that, I know that it, my doubts won't scare him. He won't reject me um, any more than my sin kept him from loving me and dying for me. So my shadow of doubt is just another shadow for God's light to wipe away. And so he's not afraid. And so I want to pray for you guys. Um, and we'll do like the old school youth ministry uh, altar call in your, in your seat. Raise of hands thing. But I want to kind of just say, um, for anybody who's experiencing uncertainty, fear, doubt in any way in your life, um, don't hide your doubts. Confront them. Not with everyone maybe, but with people who you trust. Definitely with God be honest. If you can't be honest in your prayer life, um, you can't be honest with much. So at least be honest with God. You know, and, and I think put God's goodness and power to the test. You know, we talk about the financial thing, like and you know, see if I won't pour out my storehouses. We hear that Bible verse all the time. But I do believe that God is trustworthy. And when we put Him to the test in our lives, if God says, hey, I'm, I'm going to be there, I'm going to show up, and you put that to the test, that's the best way to experience it and to get rid of these parts of our lives that are causing us to maybe be a little bit frozen. And I think finally I want to say, um, I'd love to just create a culture at our church of honesty and openness that kind of allows us to normalize a faith journey, not a faith destination. Because we're on a journey, every one of us, we're walking. And some of us, we've taken two steps forward, one step back. Some of us are at the beginning, and we're kind of at a really fast pace. And some of us, maybe, you're just you're doing awesome. You're, you're ready to coach somebody. You're ready to be that helper for someone else. We're all on the journey, though. None of us are where we're going to be, and, and none of us have arrived. And that's cool, because that's where the learning is. That's where the humility is. And that also shows, hey, it's not about us about God. He's the only one who's arrived. The rest of us, we have we have to be humble. Um, I would love it if though that was what we were as a church. So I would encourage you, um, if you're dealing with this today, first of all, be honest with yourself. But I would also encourage you, be honest with someone else. Go talk to someone about something in your life. Um, And some of it is going to be maybe dramatic and serious and scary for you to talk about. And some of it is like literally like, hey, I was reading this verse the other day and I didn't understand it. Like little things like that can be game changers in your life. They can because the more you can work on humility and honesty, the better. It's just, it's so essential to experience the fullness of God. So I want to pray for you. And we'll do a very simple thing, which is if you are struggling with doubt today, I want you to just raise your hands. I don't even want to look because it's not—it's between you and God, but I want you to do it. Um, so let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, and I want you to raise your hand if you're dealing with doubt and uncertainty, and I want to pray for you. Dear God, first of all, we're thankful that you died on the cross. Um, you opened up an opportunity for us to see and know your heart and to be certain about your love for us, the things that really matter the most. God, so I pray in the name of Jesus that we would put Jesus Christ at the center of our faith, not a bunch of other stuff. And I pray that anyone who's dealing with uncertainty, fear, doubt, God, give them the courage to confront it, the courage to express it and be vulnerable with you and with others. And I pray that when they do that, God, that they would experience the fullness of God and the goodness of God in a new way and create new breakthroughs in their life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys very much.